Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 110, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. What a weekend. Opening weekend in the books. Pretty much everything we could have asked for. Not every team has played their first game yet. We'll get to a couple of those teams this week who get to touch the ice. One of those being the Villanova Wildcats. Let's throw it over to our guy, Aiden Collins, first. I'm pumped. I haven't been this excited in quite a long time. Getting to start the season off in a pretty sweet barn. And I mean, by the time this episode comes out, we are going to be on the road. And speaking of on the road, not the ideal start to the year. We were supposed to take a bus. Our AD didn't get us a bus in time. She called 15 other charter buses and said, hey, are you guys available? Came down to, okay, we can either take school vans or we can take a school bus. Obviously, everybody said no to the school bus. We find out yesterday that we can't take vans because the school gave them all out for this upcoming weekend. So, And then we're like, okay, all right, we're all going to drive. We're going to just take our cars. School says no to that. So we're going to be renting vans from bargain van rental nonetheless i don't think that's gonna really put a hamper on the start of the season so ready to get after it yeah fingers crossed safe travels for the boys from villanova hopefully it's a, it's a good time of year to make that trek up to oswego hopefully they're not getting any winter storms this time of year because that could be a fun ride if that did happen i think there's part of the country might be on hurricane watch again this weekend so Hopefully you guys got some some smooth sailing on the highways going up there to Oswego State. Fitzy, how you doing this week? I missed you guys. I missed hearing your voice, Murph. I'm happy to be back. I, hearing this story from Collins, our, my first game in the Fed, we were playing at Delaware. No bus. Talked about driving cars, and it turned into the same kind of thing. Collins, it was we got those little you know white vans. That sounds so like weird to say that like that it's same kind of deal it was funny though because the acha prepares you for for moments like that everyone's like you know oh my god and i'm just like well just another day i'm i'm doing good appreciate the uh the early recording session tonight to accommodate the men's league game later yeah it's everything's going well and can't wait for for my season to get going soon let's go we'll send it over next to david herman who spent the weekend down in daytona florida with the crew that made the trip down there herm how you feeling post trip Feeling great. It was one of the best weekends of my life, start to finish, from Daytona Speedway to the electric atmosphere at Daytona Ice Arena, whether that was inside the rink or outside of the rink in the parking lot. Spending time with Murph and Tim was an absolute blast. And then not even to mention going up in Cessna and seeing the city from above. Huge thanks to Kyle Lusiak, Uzi, for for hooking it up with those flights. It was so surreal to step onto that small of an airport and then be like, "You're, uh, you're just going up now, basically. It was insane. Yeah, to echo what Herm said, if we had tried, I'm not sure if we had been able to pick a, a better spot for the first stop of the tour. I know you guys listening know that I went to Utah a couple weeks ago, which was an amazing experience. They were awesome. No better place. I would have rather done that. But in terms of getting a fan experience and an experience for the campus and overall the community of Daytona, we could not have picked a better spot. Embry-Riddle hit all of the boxes on our list. They rolled out the red carpet for us and they're amazing hosts. So I just, before we started the show, wanted to run down a, a quick thank you list for a bunch of people who made remarkable strides towards us having a really good weekend. And 
the ultimate goal here is that we're going to put this all into a video. We're going to pump out some social media content. I'm sure you've already seen a ton of it already. By the time we talk now, our friend Tim, who joined us for the trip, he's going to join us for a bunch of future trips. He put out an unbelievable video of his experience down there in Daytona. I just showed it to my mom and it actually, it had her in tears because of how well he captured the trip to Daytona. It's crazy that we're just getting started. The people in the comments are fired up. People are wondering where we're going next. We'll kind of keep that quiet for now as, as we book the final travel plans. But again, thank you so much to the community at Embry-Riddle. I want to start off by thanking Ken Burns. He's the sort of GM for Embry-Riddle Hockey, and he also is an administrator at the school. We showed up to get a tour, and Captain Derek Costanzo, who is unbelievable to us as well, drives up, up on a golf cart. Ken just gives us an entire tour of the campus. We're walking around looking at the flight deck. We're looking at simulators. It started pouring rain. And, you know, I didn't I didn't want to make their day any harder than it already was. And I was more than happy to just go back out and, you know, go to a different building and kill some time. And he said, no, 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 you're not going out in the rain. Like, we'll find some stuff to do. And he just like booked us times on all these simulators. We were talking to some of the students. They're like, I don't even have the power to do go on that simulator that you guys just went on. And Ken was pulling out all the stops for us. Murph is a big VR guy now, by the way. I, of the simulators we did, I did the VR, which was probably the easiest of all of them. And it was my first time putting on VR goggles. I kind of felt nauseous during it. I don't know. Maybe I would have, I would have been better at, like, I just was in the goggles and I was like, what do I do now? I felt like the, I think you should leave skit where he's like, there's too much stuff on me. I just didn't know how to function with the goggles on, but nonetheless, we had a great time doing it. Yeah. So I, I survived the VR goggles, did all right, survived it so that we could talk to former NHLer and head coach at Embry-Riddle. Bob Joyce, who's also an administrator at Embry-Riddle. He was amazing. We did probably a 25, 30 minute sit down interview with him that we're going to put into the video. He was a great guy, shared some great experiences from his college days, all time leading. He holds the record, the single season record for goals at North Dakota with 52. Unbelievable. Played on the Olympic team for Team Canada, played in the Stanley Cup final for the Bruins. Awesome hockey career, was one of the first captains for the Orlando Solar Bears. You would have never known all this stuff because you're just such a humble guy. Got some old school hockey stories. Rocks the old school Yari Curry Gretzky Jofa helmet at practice, which is pretty cool too. He was great. Assistant coach Bill Thompson was there. He was huge from the first day when Tim and I got there and you know, we're hanging out on the bench. We didn't really have anybody to talk to. And Bill was really good about introducing us to the guys and everything. And, you know, assistant coach Anthony Galante was there as well. He was great. I already shouted out Derek Costanzo, the captain for Embry Riddle. He was awesome for us. Michael Morris, who just kind of hopped in with the tour. Derek was giving us a tour of campus and Michael Morris, the starting goalie that night for Embry-Riddle, hopped in and, and was helping us with the simulators because you know that was more up his alley. Derek being a Homeland Security guy, he didn't really know that much about the planes. And so having Michael there, it was huge. And he helped Tim with that simulation. Vinny O'Connor, awesome photographer at Embry-Riddle. He was there if we needed him for anything. And we spent a lot of time communicating with him to plan the trip. Same with Kyle Usiak, a former Embry-Riddle hockey legend. He was in town. He brought us up in the plains. If I needed to get somewhere in the rink, he would grab me and just guide me through this crowd and we'd part the sea. Mitch Kim was another great guy. We got to hang out at his place before heading out on Saturday. Uh, we talked to Liv Bradford. She's actually the only girl on the Embry-Riddle hockey program. She plays on the D3 team. We ran into her at Chipotle. We saw her tabling, talked to her during the game for a little bit. 
I met Mac, the scorekeeper who we shared the same birthday with talk about a better birthday than hanging out in Daytona on a Friday night, watching some college hockey. So after the game, they actually gave her her birthday cake. Everybody's saying happy birthday. And sure enough, like the cake says, happy birthday, Mac. I was like, can I get a picture with that? Like it's my birthday too. And then like, you know, two Macs in the photo. It was a giant, it was a bunch of cupcakes uh, in the shape of a beer mug. So that was unbelievable. And, you know, do have it celebrating my birthday away from, you know, a lot of my friends from school and my family was, was tough, but to be there in that environment was, was awesome. So I, I love sending a photo of Mac and I with the cake back to my family. We got a shout out the Florida media team. They were there in droves. Anna, who was one of the photo of the year winners, she brought her whole staff down there. And I, I, I would like to think that they knew that we were going to be there and that we hyped it up. And so they knew that they wanted to bring their full media team there and, and they absolutely killed it. One time I was like looking for like elbow room to get the shot I needed. I look over and there's two Florida guys videotaping right in the middle of the crowd. I was like, you guys are warriors for this. And talking about the crowd, man, the crowd was unbelievable. Granted, there was probably a lot of people who who had no idea who we were and why we had the cameras here. For the other half of the crowd, they were so psyched to see the cameras there. And I, I like I said, cannot wait to share the footage with you guys. We're going to hold off on posting the best parts so that when this video comes out, everybody goes and watches it. Unbelievable. We couldn't have drawn it up any better for the first trip. So awesome stuff there. And Herm, if, if there's anything else I'm forgetting from this trip, please let me know because there's a lot of thank yous that we needed to, to get through and um, we had an unbelievable time. Sweet Caroline. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's like the one clip that we have shared. End of the first intermission. Scott, the Zamboni driver. I forgot to give Scott a shout out. He runs the rink, Daytona Ice Arena, and he was unbelievable. He's like, if you need anything, let me know. And kind of a one-man crew there at the rink. And he's driving around between the first intermission. The crowd's just singing Sweet Caroline, and get everyone's getting chills. Like, I, I've watched the video probably 400 times at this point. It's crazy. If you had shown me that video a year ago, I would have had no idea what you were talking about. And now, here we are. So, thank you so much to everybody down in Daytona, the whole Every Riddle crew, for making it an unbelievable weekend. Now we get to the the not so fun part of the show where we somehow have to transition from one of the coolest things that we've ever done at the Hockey House podcast to something that feels like a yearly routine at this point. And every year it's like, when are we going to get that notification? When are we going to get that notification? Who's it going to be? You hate to see it this early on in the season. You hate to see it at all. But report coming out of Northern Colorado on Monday. The team sent out a tweet and a statement. Our team was investigated and faced allegations from the university regarding underage drinking and hazing. We are currently working to appeal those allegations as we feel the punishment does not correspond to our actions. We appreciate any support. This comes after a letter from Stephanie Stevens, the university's assistant dean of student development, said an investigation was conducted in response to a report that outlined allegations of alcohol consumption by and distributed to minors, hazing behaviors, and physical endangerment of members that occurred during the 2022-2023 club hockey season. UNC's investigative report said that investigators found the club hockey team drank during official activities at an off-campus house where some players lived, allowed underage players to illegally drink from a keg at a party, and then were not honest about it when investigators asked. There's a lot to digest here. We've gone over this before. Early days of the podcast, we saw this happen with Slippery Rock. We saw this happen last year with one of the more notable ACHA programs in Iowa State. It kind of just feels like something that happens every year, yet every year it happens. I find myself in a position where we have this platform. We, you know, we have to talk about this. It's a very unfortunate situation. 
you know, until all of the facts come out, if the facts do come out, there's really not much we can do except look for ways that we can prevent it. So my first thought, and I think a lot of people's reactions are 2026 like that. That is a very long time. That is 2026 feels like it is 10 years down the road being in the year 2023, which is already crazy enough. Obviously, we don't like hazing in hockey, right? Like we can all agree on that. Nobody wants it. There's nobody on either side here that is saying hazing is good. We all know that. But I think it's tough about this situation is there are so many things that we have normalized in hockey culture that maybe don't look seem like hazing in our eyes. But in the eyes of a university administrator, it's hazing. It's underage drinking, and they want no part of it. If this was the football team, the basketball team, or the baseball team, would we see a punishment three years down the road? Probably not. Does that make the situation any better? Not at all. I told you guys beforehand, I was talking with my family members at the dinner table. Like, what what do we do here? There's no winner in this situation because you have, on one hand, you have a university who has been given reports that this went on and they are doing everything they can to shut it down. Are they being unreasonable? Probably. But what can we do until everything comes out? So I kind of want to take a a, a deep breath here and and look at my notes here and and go over any things that I haven't seen. But Herm, you've read some of these articles. Uh, I kind of want to turn it over to you for a second. The only thing that we haven't really touched upon to this point is that the team is working on an appeal right now, but they said that they don't expect to have the suspension lifted in its entirety just to try and have it reduced at this point to maybe a year or two. They're not expecting anything out of that at this point. They do feel, and and the quote that I took away from them in the Nine News video that was published was, they feel that if the suspension is upheld through their appeal, it will be the end of UNC hockey. I was very fortunate enough to sit down with University of Northern Colorado captain Nick Sheridan I said, hey, Nick, like I would love to get your side of the story here from one former club president captain to another. Like, walk me through this. Like, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I've been in similar situations where you got to deal with stuff. I'm sure you have a lot on your plate right now. And it's fortunate that he, you know, we talked on the phone for almost 20, 30 minutes. The message I got was it's the same thing that's happening at every other school across the country. There's no doubt about it. You know, we, every team has parties off campus. Every team operates under some similar circumstances. They're just having the hammer dropped on them. And so my first reaction is I go to, you know, one of my real good friends, Ford Hatchet, who I was fortunate enough. He was a captain of the team when I was on there. He's one of Fitzy's favorite episodes. He said, you always have to remember when shit hits the fan, we're going to be the first ones to go. The leash for non-varsity hockey teams on campuses across the United States is so, so short that we can leave no room for error. The excuse that this is what everyone else does doesn't help when you're speaking with administrators. I just hope that people listening, you know, we we hope that the issue in Northern Colorado resolved. We hope that these allegations of hazing are not true and that this is just a little foul play by a couple of individuals and we can all move on from this. But we have to talk about this issue because it is a hockey issue. I think for too long, we have decided that it is okay to do certain things like rookie parties and court and that because everyone else is doing it, it's okay if we do it. But then the hammer gets dropped down like this and we're all just standing there with our hands up. So Fitzy, I know you've played in the pro ranks now. You've seen it, right? There's rookies get treated a little differently. It's 
it's not just a college issue. It's not just a junior hockey issue. I'd say it's it's a hockey culture issue. You hit it right on the head. I was going to hop in and say that it's I don't know why hockey culture is like become that. I'm a guy who doesn't even drink. And I'm not saying that like, oh, well, like hockey players shouldn't drink and that'll solve all the problems. I've got nothing against drinking. It's definitely, I think at the the minor pro level, it's it's more of like a like oh rookies pick up pucks, uh, rookies fill up waters, those kinds of things, and that's like stuff that's not going to harm your body. Like it's it's not like a a serious thing that if guys kind of took more that of approach in ACHA and AAU, that that's more of like you can't really like what administration's going to get mad at you for telling a guy to pick up pucks. That's you know. It's it's not terrible. I know some places might even get mad at that. I don't know why the hockey culture is, has gone so far down that path of like drinking and, and hockey and drinking hockey girls. That's that's like it's as if for some like rock star lifestyle. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's still around at the pro level. It, it depends on your organization that you go to. And I guess that's that's kind of the same thing here. It depends on on what organization, what school you wind up at. I think the issue with hockey is that we say that there's no hazing, but there's stuff going on from an outside perspective. You have to take a step back and be like, wait, what are we doing? Oh, wait, we're fining rookies like $50. Like what? You got to remember, like when that kid goes home to his parents and tells them about it, like no wonder they're going to call the university about it. There's so many hockey traditions that we maybe just don't realize are, are in the wrong. It's unfortunate. I would really like to see what the allegations are. And is this a school just overreacting? And speaking on the punishment aspect of it, though, like they are being suspended for something that happened during the 2022-23 season. Now, mm-hmm. I agree that if something happened during that season and it's worthy of a punishment, then people should be punished. But is it not likely that if something was going on during the 2022-23 season, that it was the upperclassmen on the team conducting it, potentially upperclassmen who are no longer at the school or on the team, and now we're for three years? How That makes sense. It's ridiculous. I mean, having seen, and there were some guys on the team who had went through that stuff, and they said, no, we don't want to do this to you guys. Like, what is the point in it? Like, why? Yeah, and I, I guess to wrap this up, like, we don't know what happened at Northern Colorado last year. We can read the reports that there's allegations on hazing and underage drinking and go from there. We probably will never know what happened, whether it was worthy of this punishment or not. I think this punishment is targeting the wrong people, those people poor recruits that have come in for the season that have no affiliation with what happened last year are going to have to pay for it. There's some foul play on the university's part. They handed down the suspension after the ad drop period. So now guys who are looking to transfer have to wait a semester. But then even then, if guys are transferring, what's the point of having a three-year punishment if everyone's going to leave? I, I just, I really think that the university is handling this wrong. But I also think there's got to be some accountability on, on the players end too. Obviously, something happened that sparked this whole thing. And I guess to wrap it up, I just want to tell the story about my older brother's college experience. As you guys know, I had an older brother that played at Assumption College, a figure that I looked up to and wanted to play college hockey. And so his junior year, they were supposed to play against a school and that school got in trouble for hazing allegations and they canceled their season. Guess who got punished? It was the Assumption College team who was about to have senior night that weekend and had no opponent to play. Everybody's family is coming in. People come to town. They want to play their last home game. Nobody to play. Thank goodness the BU club team 
was available that weekend and they traveled to Worcester and they got their butts kicked by the assumption varsity team. The following year, my brother gets named one of the captains and he's like, we're not doing that. Did you, were you not there last year when our seniors had to play an ACHA team on senior night because a team got suspended? And so for the people that say that you need that kind of stuff to build a good team environment in a winning culture, they didn't do anything. And my brother's team went on to win the conference that year and had one of their best seasons in program history. That's just one example. I like to look at Zidane O'Chara. If you watch any of his interviews, he doesn't call them rookies. He calls them teammates. You're a part of the team. You're no different than anybody else. We all pull our own weight. That's just something I, I would like to spin this conversation. It's an unfortunate situation. I think that there has to be more accountability on all of us in the hockey community to do better as a whole, because I think stuff like this has gone on long enough and it's not fair for people to pay who have no affiliation with this kind of stuff. So who who wants to talk a little rankings here? I know um, Collins and Fitzy, you guys got to get going soon. So we'll do uh, we'll do rankings and then we'll we'll cut to our interview. But big shocker, number one team in the country in men's division one, the reigning national champions, Minot State Beavers, are going to stay atop the rankings. Really, no surprise here. I think I think the national champion should always be number one to start the season. Let them be number one until someone knocks them off their post. You got some familiar faces in the top ten, Adrian. At two, then Ohio, Liberty, UNLV, UCO, Jamestown, Indiana Tech, Maryville, Niagara. Niagara cracking the top 10. I feel like that's, of of all the teams on this list, that's the only, maybe Niagara, Indiana Tech, and Maryville are teams that we're not used to seeing in the top 10. So hats off to those teams. They had really great years. Last year, expect some really great years ahead for them. Herm has beef with with the rankings already. Looking at the notes here, Herm, you want to, you think the Bobcats should be a little higher on the list here? It's not a matter of I think. It's if you look at the numbers, it says Adrian has two first-placed votes, and then Ohio has three first-placed votes, but somehow Ohio winds up at the three spot. I don't get it. I would assume that more people had Adrian at two and that maybe some people had, although Ohio got some first-place votes, they probably also got some some fourth-place votes as well. So I'm assuming that's some sort of average that that plays into consideration there. That's that I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think that's, I don't know. I come on the show every week and pretend like I am an expert in these ACHA rankings. And I also have no idea what is going on. So I'm just going to try to say it more confidently than everybody else. And we will go, we will go with that. I am so sick of this. It's every year. It's the same teams every year with, I mean, obviously with the exception of Maryville, I hate to say it, but like the coaches poll, in my opinion, is very much an old boys club. It's who you know, who can who can give votes. I sound like a broken record at this point, and I sound like I'm making it an absolute massive deal because it's not. How you play on the ice is what really matters. The the polls don't. I just would like to see like something else. And I understand that these are the best teams. And I mean the top five, top ten. I'm Herm. I, Herm's like in shock. Like he's like he's like, what are you saying? Who deserves to be in this top twenty-five that is not in this top twenty-five right now? Who deserves? I'd potentially say Oswego State. Herm, I have a question for you. Top ten: Adrian, Ohio, Liberty, UNLV, UCO, Jamestown, Indiana Tech, Maryville, Niagara. Sure. Out of a hundred, what is the chance that a team outside of those top ten teams wins the national championship at the end of the year? I'd have to consult Anders' rankings first because he did an excellent job. I would say 
off the top of my head, less than 5%. I was going to go less than 7%. That was my thing. There is a, a John Boys video, an SB Nation classic video, Secret Base. The NCAA tournament is a loser factory, and he dives into the fact that these power teams are the ones that consistently win the tournaments regardless of expanding fields. The exact same thing happens in the ACHA, and that's because these teams are damn good and deserve to be ranked at those spots. It's like looking at college football. It's like, you know Alabama's going to be in the mix. Tough week to be a, a Bama fan, though. You know Georgia's going to be in the mix. It's like, who else is going to get into the playoff and how much are they going to lose them by? Like, I'm excited that the ACHA National Championships is going to get expanded. But just realistically, it's like, is a team outside of this top 10 going to have a shot in St. Louis? I would throw everything I own on a team in this top 10 taking it home. And I would love for this season, we had it last year in M2, we talked about it in the prediction show, but like that's why the M2 turn was so much fun because you, Mary, got eliminated. And it was like, wow, like we have a final four that is St. Thomas, Indiana, Iowa, and UMass. Four teams that none of us predicted. No Florida Gulf Coast, no Lindenwood, no you, Mary. And it was just awesome. So like, I think that's where AC, the ACHA can really grow if some of these teams outside of the 10 that we just mentioned give it a run i know like grand valley state has made some improvements over the years that's a team outside of this 10 that that i'm looking at uh, purdue northwest had a really good first year in the acha i'm curious how they'll expand off of it but like i don't know something to watch out for isu is that dark horse sleeper for me right now and again just preseason rankings i i saw the tweet from i don't know if you guys saw everything college hockey posted but a couple of north dakota tweeted out like congratulations to some guys who made the preseason all NCHC team and former North Dakota player Jordan Schmaltz said, congrats on what a preseason poll fellas, no disrespect. It's great recognition heading the year, but you haven't done anything yet. Just preseason just for us to talk to about, but I don't know. I think it's a solid start. And again, hockey's back. Like we get, we get to bicker about the rankings, which is all anyone listens to us for anyways. So we'll head to the break. As always, we have a great interview coming up. This one is brought to you by Optimex Sports. We have Abby Lynn from Auburn and Hannah Knight from Georgia, two girls from College Hockey South, sharing their experience about growing the game of women's college hockey and hockey in the South as a whole. So as always, brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own websites. And the best part is these guys know college hockey. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. If you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at optimxsports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. Optimex recently released a new feature. We're super excited about it. It's been in the works for a long time. You can now add a team store to your team site, sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments. Be sure to head to optimxsports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. Join teams like USF, James Madison, and Bates who have all jumped on the Optimex train this week. And if you have any questions, be sure to shoot them a DM at OptumX Sports on Instagram. Now let's turn it over to our guests from College Hockey South, Abby Lynn and Hannah Knight. We're pleased to be joined by Auburn University senior defenseman Abby Lynn and University of Georgia senior forward Hannah Knight. Abby, Hannah, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thank you so much for having us. This is so exciting. Yeah, thank you. We're so pumped to have you guys on. Very exciting news coming out of women's college hockey, college hockey South. 
forming a women's division this year. I know you guys have the Columbus Classic coming up in late September where we'll get all the teams going head to head. Looking forward to that. I'll start off, Abby, like how was your summer? You know, club president, there was probably a lot of work that went in during the off season to make sure that everything got off to a good start. My summer was pretty busy. I was actually doing summer classes. So I was in Auburn like half the summer just taking classes, but also, um, you know, doing what I call president things (laughs) in my president mode, as I like to say. Um, just getting ready for the season. You know, we had a lot of changes this year, having joined a league, partnering with Verbero, as I'm sure you know, definitely kept me on my toes. And Hannah, what about for you? Uh, I hope you got some downtime this summer to enjoy it, but I'm sure you had plenty of stuff to work on. We are kind of in the same boat, just as what Abby was saying. I was not taking summer classes. I could not imagine doing that at the same time. But yes, a lot of the summer is difficult. All of our players are back home or at jobs, internships and stuff. Coordinating stuff was definitely difficult without physically being in Athens. I'm from out of state. It like definitely feels different working on hockey stuff when I'm at home and just lots of travel. So yes, there definitely was some downtime. A lot of the president mode, as Abby says, random loose ends to tie up that are like, just now starting to all come together. But yes, lots of random things getting done this summer. People listening are probably a little confused why we have uh, one player from Auburn and one player from Georgia. Abby, walk us through how you guys met. Yes, I actually, I love this story. I, when I went to Auburn, I was like, you know, I can't really play men's hockey. I'm too small. I'm 5'4", like 120 pounds. Like I can't play men's hockey this year. So I was like, well, why not make a women's team? And so that's what I started to do. And, you know, playing, you know, women's hockey that you need other teams to play. (laughs) At the time, I didn't know about any of the Florida teams. Um, I didn't know that they were around or that they existed. So I started joining Facebook groups for other universities, commenting in there, posting in there like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You should start a team. And I was basically just joining SEC group chats so that we could make like a bunch of SEC teams. I had joined Georgia's and had posted in there and Hannah had commented, hey, I already made a team. From there, we just started texting and it's been a wild ride. Like her and I have been in in the exact same boat this whole time just like texting each other like hey what do you do about this or how's this going for you or we've gotten pretty close over the past couple years it's so funny like our team's have kind of been on similar paths together, which has been really nice. Like, obviously, when you first think of Georgia and Auburn, like, obviously, you know, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Like, you know, when it comes to football and, yes, when we're on the ice, we want to win. It's like we came to the conclusion we were like, it's so much better to help each other. And, like, Abby is just, like, one of the coolest people I've ever met. And so getting to do this with her has been really cool. And having someone who we're, like, on the same playing field and level as far as getting ice time booked, getting jerseys, and just figuring everything out for the first time has been like super helpful. Well, it's funny too, because we talk about all the time in college sports specifically and with all the conference realignment, you're only as good as your rival. You need a rival in college sports. And so I think it's so cool that like you mentioned, Hannah, you guys built it at the same time and it's turned out this amazing thing. Did you guys know when you were making your teams that College Hockey South was trying to start a women's division or was that something that came as a surprise? No. So we, when I was first starting um, our team with our co-founder who has now transferred, when we were first starting to look at stuff. So I grew up in North Carolina, so I'm around like the ACCHL hockey. And so like all of their tournaments were in my hometown of Winston-Salem. So I always grew up around that. And so I reached out to the um, women's ACCHL 
um, like commissioner and was just like, Hey, like I'm starting a team. What would it look like to join? Um, and so we decided to wait for our first season, not to join. Cause we were like, we need to have a season under our belt, kind of get everything going. My vice president at the time, Olivia, like she knew Kyle, who was the commissioner of the CHS. And we kind of were both like, what the heck? Like we need a women's division. Like we're all trying to play each other anyways. And it would help if we all, you know, just with logistical stuff, if we were able to have a division. And so she reached out to him literally on a random Wednesday night. Like I, our group, our team was going to a CrossFit class and she was like, I'm just going to text him. And so she texted him. And by the time I had gotten out of the CrossFit class, like he had already reached out to like the Florida team. Like Abby was in the group chat and I was like, what is going on? Like it was the craziest like couple hours of my life. And so like, yeah, I had no idea the quick turnaround for things. Like the women's division was announced in January. Like just for reference, like we started talking about that around Thanksgiving. So like it was very quick. Kyle is amazing. It was really, really wild, but super, super cool. You you guys have kind of had like a roller coaster ride with college hockey, like a crash course in how it operates because you guys had to build it from the ground up. I'm curious how you guys got into hockey because I think those are some those are always cool stories. Abby, I know you got into hockey because of your younger brother, correct? My dad grew up in Philadelphia. And so he grew up watching hockey and um, I'm from Tennessee and my brother is He's 16, so he's like almost five years younger than me. So he started playing before I did. He was maybe four years old, I think. It was funny because I was just standing there watching all these little these little toddlers out on the ice just falling all over the place, crying, not having fun. <laughs> and I was watching them. I was like, I want to do that. And I was like eight years old at the time. And so I started playing and I absolutely loved it. And it's been a really like good bond for me and my brother. I definitely would not be playing hockey without him. So shout out to Nicholas. Um, I've been playing since I was eight. Grew up playing men's hockey because, or boys hockey, because I didn't know that girls hockey was a thing until my junior year of high school. And it was then that I started playing uh, Nashville girls hockey. That's what it was at the time. Today it's junior Preds girls, which go Preds. Uh, I like to keep up with that team too. I know, uh, Hannah, you guys have one of the junior preds on your team now. So yeah, it's just been a wild ride and I've loved every second of it. I'm assuming that like the success that the Predators had on their Stanley Cup runs had to do with your love for hockey too, growing up in Tennessee. I actually am a Flyers fan. <laughs> oh, see, that that's what I figured. As soon as I said Predators. Yes, I'm an all Philly fan. There we go. So, I mean, it's been a tough year. Some close, some close games at the end, but a tough year for Philly fans. Yes, the Super Bowl was a sad day for me. <laughs> well, it's okay. I grew up a Pats fan, so you guys got the best of us in a Super Bowl. So you at least have that one recently. But Hannah, shifting to North Carolina, like what was it like for you growing up? How were you introduced to hockey? It's actually really crazy listening to Abby's story that it is almost identical, like very, very, very similar situation. So my sister was also four at the time. And she was the one that got me into hockey. Our family has absolutely no connection to hockey. Like my, or my dad grew up, his dad was a pastor. They traveled everywhere. And so they were in the North some, they were in the South, like everywhere. My mom grew up in like rural Virginia, no connection to hockey. Being in Winston-Salem, obviously like the Canes are in Raleigh, like an hour and a half away. So that presence was there, but still like, I mean, our family had no connection to hockey. So my sister, when she was literally four years old, had, I think, 
think it was a Clifford the Big Red Dog book, there's a page on it that one of the characters was ice skating. And my sister just looked at my parents and was like, I want to play hockey, the kind on the ice. And you know, when you see a four-year-old, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. And so my parents were like, okay, haha, whatever. And they didn't even know there was hockey in Winston because it was so small at the time. And she kept like pestering them about it. And they were like, fine, like, we'll look it up. And so we ended up finding the Winston-Salem Youth Hockey Association, which is now part of the Triad Hockey Alliance with Greensboro and Raleigh. And she went and tried a learn to play session. And same thing, like I was watching her on the ice and was like, this looks pretty cool. Like I had done the typical like dance, gymnastics, swim, all the typical and nothing had really clicked for me and I was like you know what I'm gonna try it from that day forward with you know obviously some a lot of roller coasters in between I played have to give her a lot of credit for that too same thing like I played co-ed until I was a junior in high school one of my previous coaches reached out to me and my dad about helping to start a all girls like recreational team in Winston and so we were part of that which is really cool and so that is kind of that experience has kind of translated over to our team here at UGA but yeah have to give my sister a lot of credit for <laughs> starting that and me too and now e- either one of you can answer this but growing up with that hockey background was it something that you considered doing in college because I know like you both attend schools that aren't exactly known for their hockey teams right especially in the SEC country like was this something like oh if I have the opportunity to do it in college I would love to but it's not really a priority for me I definitely wanted to play in college I knew I wasn't gonna go NCAA or anything I mean I didn't really get recruited. I had the opportunity to, but I turned it down just because it would have been D3 and a lot of those schools are smaller. And my major at the time, not my major anymore, was aerospace engineering and not a lot of the smaller schools even have that major. So I decided like academics first. I didn't know where I wanted to go to school and Auburn happened to be on that list and I loved it when I visited here. Um, So when I decided where I was going to school, I was like, well, what am I going to do about hockey now? I was like, okay, might as well just make my own team, you know? Yeah, it was pretty interesting going into college. I definitely have always been passionate about it, have always wanted to play. I'm kind of sad, like, I'm going to graduate next year, and I don't know when I'll be able to play hockey, like, competitively again after that. So kind of sad about that. Yeah, I think too, like, so I looked at a couple schools to go to, but I was in the same boat of, I didn't want to go to a really small school. Um, I wanted to go to a D1, like power five football school. And I looked at Georgia and just like fell in love with it. And so I like had heard about the ice dogs. So knew that there was a pretty prominent men's team here. But then I also knew through the grapevine of the hockey community that there were like a couple programs in Atlanta for youth hockey and then also in Athens. And so I kind of just came here with my fingers crossed, hoping that I would get plugged into at least be able to coach or at least go to like pick up or public skate at minimum. When I got here, um, there was the news of, you know, the talk of, oh, the new arena is going to be opening in the next four years. And so we have that coming up in the spring. And I think just coming in as a freshman during COVID, I had nothing to do. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to look at starting this team, see what I can do. Our former dean of student attended my church. And so I was able to get connected with him about it. And so he helped me walk me through some of the registration stuff. Like it was definitely something when I came to college, like if it was like available for me to play, I was definitely going to. It was not like a deciding factor just because of, 
how, you know, small women's hockey is. And obviously now it's grown a lot, but I knew the schools I was looking at didn't have a team. And so it was just like kind of hoping for the best for the opportunities that I would have here. I think it's funny too, because I'm sure you guys both remember, but like being on your first college tour and they talk about all the clubs on campus and they're always like, and if we don't have what you're looking for, you can start your own club. And they say it like it's the easiest thing in the world. Like you just check a box and and hit enter and you're good to go. I want to know, you both mentioned like, scrubbing through Facebook groups, looking for players. Abby, I'll let you go first. Like what was the biggest challenge you faced in starting a women's hockey team at Auburn? Honestly, this isn't going to be the same for like other people now, but COVID was a giant hurdle. We couldn't even play till last year. And we were founded in like, I think 2021 was when we got officially founded, but I started everything in 2020. COVID really made the whole process really hard. Like having to email all these people, be like, hi, what do I do? This is what I'm trying to do. Will you tell me like, what's the process? And then they just give you this giant list of things to do. But COVID really made it hard. Every club has to have an advisor. And we struggled for a long time to find an advisor because COVID made it hard for them to like want to give their time up to something else or they had other clubs that they were already advising. Luckily, we found one. But yeah, I would definitely say COVID really slowed down the process for us. Abby, you have to tell the people listening because what was the rink in Columbus being used for during COVID? I really can't remember, actually. We had a couple of the Auburn boys on, and wasn't it being used as uh, a voting site? I think it was used for elections, but they weren't putting any ice in, and I remember that being a huge issue. Yes, I'm pretty sure you're right. That's what came to my mind when you said that, but I wasn't 100% sure. But now that you say that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they were using it for, and it didn't open for like a whole year. So you put this team together and you go through all the work and there's just, you've one last hurdle. There's no ice for you to use. Hannah, what was like the biggest hurdle you had at Georgia? I mean, yes, COVID was huge. And we have the blessing of the Classic Center in Athens is super great to work with. But also during COVID, obviously, like they weren't having events. We weren't putting the ice rink down. For anyone that doesn't know about um, our ice rink situation, we literally built the ice rink and put it in the middle of a ballroom um, at the Classic Center. And so like, typically that's where we put it but because of covid like the regulations we couldn't do it and so that was a big hurdle and i our freshman year kind of the universities were in like just this panic mode of like just trying to survive and so anything that wasn't necessary they weren't going to deal with cuz i started the team like looking at the process in the spring of my senior year because again covid nothing to do and everyone was like we don't know like everything's closed and so um, it really wasn't until like the spring of 21, fall of 21, that things really got rolling. You know, we have Atlanta within an hour and a half, within an hour, wherever you're from. And so we had several rinks that we were sort of able to use, but also again, due to regulations. But I think honestly, our biggest hurdle was just getting the word out there to people and like getting students involved. Because at UGA, like you have to be an official student organization before you can put flyers up, before you can send emails out, before you can host like official events. But in order to become a club, you have to have a minimum of six people. And so it's like, if I can't get the word out, like how am I supposed to get the six people? And so I literally put down like a couple of my friends who have 
nothing to do with hockey and was like, your names are going to be on here for the application. And then once I get people, they can get off. But then like after that, we were able to get people. But yeah, that was definitely the biggest hurdle for us. You mentioned putting the rink together. I feel like we should we should go back and talk about that because the last time we had the Georgia boys on, Robbie Whitwer walked us through putting together the ballroom in Athens. Explain to people at home what that process looks like. Okay, so it's a typical like large ballroom, huge ceilings. Like you walk in and it feels like a whole airplane could fit in there. Like it's huge. And so we start with the biggest tarp I've ever seen in my life, the size of an ice rink in one tarp. And we have to like spread that out first. And you think a tarp's light when it's that big, it's not. And so it takes like all, like us and the men's team do it together. And we'll like get on the edges, pull it out. And then we have to put the pipes on top of that. Like, and it's, accordion style the pipes are like this and then they just fold so we have to unfold those and put them out i mean there's so many of them and then we do another tarp on top of that if i'm remembering correctly and then they flood it with water and freeze it then we put up the boards and then they freeze another layer and then we put up the glass too like it is piece by piece it is like very labor intensive but it's honestly one of the most interesting experiences i've ever been a part of i've always been interested in the like mechanics of the ice rink and like how that works that's always been my dream to like either partially own an ice rink or start my own. And so it's been really cool to like do that. Like, yes, it's hard, but it is like really weird to like walk into this and it's fully carpeted too on the ground. And so putting a tarp and then like flooding that and like, it's just really, really, really strange. But then, you know, the boards get up and it's, it's a rink. So it works. The new rink is being built in Athens, but it won't be ready in time for this season. So what kind of challenges have you guys faced in terms of scheduling this year? We typically use so typically how it works is like say the men's team has a series of games in Athens in September in a weekend we would start putting the ice up like a week before that and then we would all have access to use it to practice and then they would have their games so we would take it back down that's typically how it works but then again we were planning for the rink to be done we have not had ice in Athens and so we have been practicing in Duluth it isn't a huge issue it's only an hour away like most of us girls are used to traveling that far, like for hockey to just practice. And I think people, especially in the South in general, like (laughs) to have to travel to a rink. And so we do that every week. And we were doing that some last season anyways, because in Athens, the rink does not go up full time until like end of November. And so we were already budgeting for that, but it was definitely like a challenge to everyone has to, you know, drive an hour away. We need to make sure they were we're there on time. And then also just communicating with rinks is incredibly difficult because the amount of youth teams and like men's league and pickup and like ad- and all these things, which is wonderful. I love that there are so many opportunities. It's a good problem to have for rinks, but it makes it really difficult to schedule. But we have, you know, been really lucky with some good people at the rinks that have helped us with scheduling. So we've been able to kind of hurdle that, but it did take a while. And I'm definitely looking forward to having some ice at the outdoor rink in Athens starting in December, which will be great. Really looking forward. And that's a cool setup too with the outdoor rink in Athens. But once that rink gets built, I mean, that might be the hockey capital of the South pretty soon here. Abby, I want to ask, like, what do you remember about the first game where you guys faced off against each other, Auburn versus Georgia? Where did that take place? And what was the what was it like suiting up? I mean, basically creating history for hockey in the South. It was a great day, like butterflies all day. And I remember talking to Hannah about it, too. And she was in the same boat. I think it was in Athens, right? Uh, Or coming. It was in coming. coming. And I remember just smiling like the whole game. We weren't even like fighting or anything or like being mean to each other. I just, 
just smiling like the entire game. Both teams got a big group picture and we we're all just celebrating together. And you would think as rival schools, like that wouldn't happen. But me and Hannah have been through like so much together. And so it was just kind of like a big friends kind of like group picture vibe kind of thing. It was even a close game too. It was an exciting game. Like uh, there was a decent amount of people there and they were like getting into it. It was a lot of fun. We made history as the first two women's SEC hockey teams to play a game, which is pretty awesome. And based on what I've heard, Hannah, it sounds like that was the same experience on your side of things too. Everybody just seemed so excited to be there. Oh yeah. And I think for especially like a good chunk of our team had actually never played hockey before. And it was the same for Abby as well. And so like, there was a whole nother layer of like, they're getting to experience their first game. And then also seeing all the girls who have played their whole lives. Like I had multiple of them who joined the team and said, I thought I would never get to play again. And so like getting to see that joy, like just of them on the ice and like, both of our teams, like we were warming up and seeing each other warm up and like have our parents there and like just see us in our jerseys for the first time. Like I think just getting in the locker room with like all of us getting ready and then getting on the ice, like it was the most surreal, like out of body experience in the best way possible. Like it was, and like even like two of the girls on Auburn's team, like got me and Abby flowers. They were like, y'all are amazing. Thank you. So-. Like that was, <laughs> it was such a cool day. Like I have never experienced anything like as cool as that. And I'm sure you both went through this, but Hannah, you mentioned like the combination of girls who went to school in the South, probably never thought they'd play hockey again competitively. All of a sudden, they're on a team. You probably have girls on the team who never imagined ever playing hockey in their lives before. What were those conversations like? Because I know like when you launch a club at a school, like especially in club hockey at a lot of these places, they're like, oh, the hockey club, like go out and skate, like have fun hockey club. And then you're like, no, 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 like this is a hockey team. Like we're getting on skates. We're playing against other teams. Like how did you go about doing that? Like, did you welcome everybody to the team? Was there a lot of ups and downs at practice getting these girls accommodated? Yes, it was. I mean, the whole theme of getting this team started it's been a roller coaster and the greatest roller coaster I've ever been on my passion and what kind of has driven me the most to hockey is there's this whole culture of like the learn to play hockey and like try it for free like USA hockey has like national hockey week where there's a day dedicated to like women's trying it for free like and then trying it for free in general and so like I grew up like doing try it for free hockey like learning to play all of that and so that was just in my like the hockey culture I grew up in and so when I came here it was never a question of like who we were going to allow on our team like I was not going to sit here and be like you have to be you know triple a like whatever like will our team eventually get to that point i hope so that we are eventually getting to the point where you know people are coming to georgia to play women's hockey the biggest thing that drove me to hockey was the way that there were so many opportunities to try it for the first time and with equipment like people are so generous to like donate and let you use their old equipment because some people will use equipment for a season and then be like i'm getting new equipment and so yes it was difficult and definitely like tested my patience a little bit at first of like i guess courage and like leadership teach these women how to skate we didn't even have a coach yet and like all in all was really cool and like just an environment of people lifting each other up and yes not everyone was on the skill level but that was okay and that was like just the expectation that we had going into the season so it was never an issue and like Abby obviously can speak to this a lot too, but like both of our teams, again, it was just this expectation that like we want anyone who wants to get to play to try. Um, And so it was never going to be like just based on skill level. That's kind of, you know, how that got started. (laughs) 
Yeah, I totally agree with Hannah. Part of the reason why we did all of this is to grow the game and to get people into it who have never played before, get people to try something new. And for those, you know, like we've got girls who have played all their lives, like help them to keep playing, um, you know, at the collegiate level. Yeah, like she was saying with equipment, my community back home in Knoxville, like so many people donated all this equipment. I had four or five full equipment bags of just donated equipment and I still have some of it left over. So all of our girls have like all their equipment has been donated or like at least some of it has been purchased on their own. I don't know if you know what sideline swap is. Pretty cheap. So I've been very grateful for the hockey community um, and all the donated equipment. And yeah, just our first day of practice, even this year, like half of the girls are experienced half of them have never played before and just like seeing everybody come together you know the experienced girls helping the the less experienced girls it's just been really great to see and like they fall but they get right back up and they're having fun and they're asking questions and like it's just awesome to see the game growing I think it's too, it's interesting that you guys both grew up playing hockey in the South too. I think that that almost like toughens you up for this journey that you guys have been on. Because I think if you were from a Michigan or a Minnesota, it might be a little harder to be understanding, especially with, with new players. I know you guys both got together and participated in and co-hosted the Try Hockey for Free for the girls in Columbus, Georgia this year before one of your games. Whose idea was that? I'm sure you both played a major role in it, but like how cool was that to give back uh, to the community. That was actually put on by the rink itself. Auburn's coach, Jack Rosenhammer, kind of organized the whole thing. Our two teams just volunteered at it. But it was great. We were expecting maybe like 30 girls to go out there. And we ended up with 60, like more than 60 girls out there, ages 5 through 12, just trying hockey for the first time. And it was so great. And like, I love kids. And so it was fun for me and fun for the other girls just getting out there with the kids and like having some fun, you know, and good to see like some of the girls stay around for our game and get to like look up at like the collegiate girls playing. And like, I think it was just a great way to um, start them young, you know, like keep them wanting to play hockey because a lot of girls will start playing at a young age and then they'll quit somewhere along the line. Like when I started playing, there were maybe four or five girls in our program. And by the time that I graduated, it was me and one other girl. So I love what we're doing with the Try Hockey for Free. We're actually planning one in October right now to do another one in October. So be on the lookout for that. Again, one of those experiences that like, it was such an honor to like be a part of and growing up in the South, again, like trying hockey for free, like is a big piece of like getting people involved in it. And so as soon as like Abby reached out to me about this, that Jack was like kind of organizing it, I was like, oh, we will be there. Like send us a time, we'll be there. I I think the other piece that was really cool was seeing the girls on our team who had just started like a couple months before also mentoring those younger girls like we made sure to emphasize like not all of us have been playing our whole lives so these girls can see oh we can all have different skill levels like and we're all welcome in this game and I think again like another piece of this bonding experience between our two teams like both of our teams were on the ice at the same time doing this together and I think see having that in itself like especially like in Georgia where typically it's like 
Auburn, Georgia, like, no. What's really important in seeing just these two teams come together to do it and like that, like for people who have never like heard of try hockey for free, like having 60 girls at a learn to play, it's unheard of in the South. Like that's just, it doesn't happen. When there were that many girls in the ice, I was like, this is unreal. Like it, it was just so cool. And there have been some pretty cool things in the last year down south hannah like last year in north carolina the stadium series game i think that's sold out in less than 24 hours then you had the unc and nc state men's club teams they packed over twenty four thousand people into that what are some challenges that you face you know being in the south because i think there are a lot of challenges that come with women's hockey and then there are a lot of challenges that come with college hockey in the south so like what are some things that you are hoping maybe might change in the next coming years as the sport continues to grow yeah, so like you said, women's hockey is is like not a thing down here. We'll be on campus tabling and people will walk by, they'll be like, oh, we have a hockey team? I was like, yeah, we have a men's team and a women's team. And they'd be like, oh, I had no idea. And like at our games, at least last year, we maybe had 50-ish people average in attendance every game. And most of them were our family members, you know, and you know, Hockey House Pod is a great Y'all do great at advertising for all the teams. And I'm really, really glad that y'all do that. So thank y'all for your support. But I'd love to see like the women's teams amped up on social media this year. And like, you know, just creating awareness that women's hockey exists. As far as challenges go, I don't know, just attendance wise, like we haven't had like a ton of people outside of family members come to games. Um, our men's team is like really supportive of us. Like they're always reposting our stuff. I'm good friends with the men's club staff and like always in contact with their president and whatnot. We try to coordinate every now and then. So they've also been really supportive of us too. A big challenge in itself is, you know, ice rink availability because in North Carolina we had, so we had one in Winston and then we had one in Greensboro and then like one in Charlotte and Raleigh, but like otherwise that's it. And then even in states like Georgia, it's like Atlanta and Athens and Columbus and that's it. And so that in itself was a challenge. But again, just that awareness of like the amount of people that have been like, wait, we have a women's hockey team. Wait, we have a like hockey team in general, like continuing to get the word out there. Like I have a button on my backpack that says like, ask me about like ice hockey or ask me about women's hockey or something just because the more conversations you have I've realized people will be like oh well I'm not necessarily interested in playing but my roommate's best friend's sister um, has played forever they're from up north they might be interested and so I am really looking forward to this year for all the women's teams especially as we're jumping into this season of the college hockey south having opportunities to network especially like together like we're all going to Columbus together um, and then there's going to be an Athens weekend in January too and like having the chance to network and talk to people who work at the rinks and like create more awareness with them because I think even small interactions like make a really really big impact on where your team and like or how your team continues to grow. And Abby, I think you had mentioned you got to go to the Savannah Classic last year, um, a big tournament where, you know, some of the bigger teams in the South on the men's side get together. Like how cool was it for you to get to like witness something like that and be like, you know, hey, we could do this someday too. Yeah, that was a great experience. So me and my VP, Paige Cote, went and Kyle Nell, the commissioner of the CHS, invited all the women's teams to come. And so Hannah was there with a couple of her teammates and USF and Tampa and South Carolina. They were also all there. And like, it was a crazy environment. 
place was pretty much filled and like rowdy and we got on the big screen and sat in VIP seating and it was a ton of fun and we did some tabling out there too and like people were asking us like oh are you gonna sell your jerseys like can we follow you on Instagram like what's your season next year um so that was a lot of fun and uh yes I would love to do something like the classic for the women's team and like play in end market arena because that was an awesome experience and they had like announcers and music and it was a lot of fun yeah it was really cool to be there kyle is amazing the commissioner of the chs he's been awesome with facilitating these like connections for all the hockey teams like every division um the women's teams too and like that weekend was such a cool experience to see like the men's teams getting to play and like georgia's men's team was there so like getting to watch our team play and then getting to meet and like network a little bit with verbero like that's how we first um heard about verbero and the jerseys and everything and so um i have to get a lot give a lot of credit to kyle for getting a lot of these connections to us but sitting there like i remember all of us like abby was saying thinking like like this is eventually like what we want it to be like like we could you know eventually get to this point where you know we're traveling this whole weekend to do this whole thing at like this professional hockey arena and so it was just really eye-opening i think to see into the a glimpse of the future of women's hockey and what it could look like yeah, and one thing I've, I've talked to a couple of players about, and I had the opportunity to meet Kyle when we went to the AAU Nationals last year, and it sounds like you guys would agree, but the cool thing is like I played in a league where like I didn't even know the name of the commissioner, right? And like you guys, your faces light up talking about Kyle. I saw it firsthand. You know, the Clemson players are walking by and Kyle's talking to their president or it's the South Carolina guys. He's talking to their president. Like how cool is that to have a personal relationship with the commissioner and, you know, somebody who clearly cares about the well-being of the players? Yeah, it's great. And like, I don't know what all Kyle's job entails, but he's pretty quick at responding. Like if you like, and we're on a texting basis here. We're not even just emailing back and forth. Like, we've got Kyle's phone number. We're in group chats. He texts us all the time and he texts back pretty quickly, too. So, just like seeing his devotion to wanting to help us grow and like seeing how genuine it is. Like, like Hannah was talking about earlier, we're in a division, like announced a division within like a month of even talking about it. So just Kyle's commitment to everything, his genuine like interests and wanting to help us grow and wanting to get our names out there. It's just been really nice. Yeah. And it's like, it's really rare when you find someone, not just like in ice hockey in general, but like just in sports where there's someone, you know, that's in charge of things like that, who you can have a face to the name and easily contact them. And Kyle like has been really good about expressing like how important it is to like help each one of the teams that are part of College Hockey South to continue to grow. And that he's always said from the beginning, like it's way more than just saying that it's a club sport. Like he has done a great job of also just acknowledging like all the hoops that all the teams have to jump through with like universities and like just getting the team started. It's way more than just beat on the ice. And so, yeah, very much appreciate him. <laughs> I think another person worth mentioning too is Hannah, you mentioned getting to see Verbero. I know you guys both use Verbero jerseys talking about hurdles to jump through how easy has it been working with verbero you know because getting jerseys is not an easy thing to do but you guys are both wearing the verbero jerseys so i'm sure you guys have some awesome things to say yeah for us it's been really nice working with them they're super easy to work with their team their design team 
responds within literally five minutes of my emails and we'll just be sitting emailing back and forth and they like get things done so quickly um so they're really nice to work with prices are good the um jersey sales that they do the teams get all the profit from those and that's been awesome they're great at like supporting us too like on social media and things um i know hannah's story is a little different just with the university wise but a lot of universities trademark and licensing is really difficult to work with but thankfully we were able to get Ferbero um, certified as a vendor uh, at Auburn and so we'll definitely I can confidently say we'll be you know partnering with them again yeah and Hannah I don't know if you want to talk about it but I'm sure like the men's team also doesn't use like the circle G right so there are a bunch of different things that you guys have to deal with on top of already building a club so I'm sure that's just another headache for you yeah and in fact Verbero was not approved by UGA so we're not allowed to use them which has been incredibly frustrating. Verbero is great. Like we met Andy Sutton or in Savannah and like just everyone who works on their team, they respond so quickly. They get designs back. They like hearing from Abby, like how quickly the jersey ship and like it's, they are also in it to grow the game for everyone. And so seeing a company that's so passionate about that, like obviously we wanted to be part of that. And unfortunately just with the way licensing works, like it's really difficult and I don't really know what happens behind the scenes. I just kind of do what I'm told. Part of it has to do with the our football team's success um, over the past couple of years, which has been great, but they have lock, started locking down a lot on our ability to use logos. Like we're able to use the Bulldog now and the standing Bulldog that the men's team uses, but even just like, it's really, really, really hard to get approved as a vendor. And so we tried really hard with Verbero and like, they tried their best. I give them so much credit. They tried and it's out of our hands. And so um, we are working with Jog, which is also really exciting. They've been great. Michael, who is like our Jog rep has been awesome. And that's who the men's team uses. So that has been great. Um, So Hopefully we'll see what happens with the future with Verbero and to see how that goes. But I'm definitely hoping, you know, as the years go by, we're able to um, start using them some and then also jog as well. You guys have grown up in an age of women's hockey where the Olympics have become really popular. But on the other hand, like they've struggled on the pro hockey side of things. And now it seems like there's finally one league in North America. Like, have you guys been following along with that? Is that cool to see that, you know, I know they're announcing the rosters pretty soon here and and where each city will be playing. Is that something you guys are following along with? Are you talking about the PWHL? Yeah. Yes. I've been following along with that. It's been great to see, you know, it all growing the Olympians getting involved to, um, I don't know about you, Hannah, but I stayed up till like 4.30 in the morning watching the women win gold against Canada that game. It was it was a lot of fun. So I definitely keep up with with the women's pro hockey. But yes, I have kept in touch with that. I think they just announced when their draft is going to be. I think it's September 18th. I'll be looking out for that. Yeah, I was very excited when I saw that news pop up. It was like, literally so exciting again like growing up seeing you know women's hockey has grown a lot in the recent years but seeing like something like this happen is so cool and I think too so like Hillary Knight has been a lot of my favorite players because we share the same last name and so I've always like people have joked like oh she's your long lost cousin or something I'm like I wish so I've always followed her and then Kendall Coyne um and then Megan Bozek actually came to Winston-Salem um when I was younger and I got to meet her and like hold her medal and so like it's 
insane like staying up watching that game and like it it is so cool like I watched the end of that game every once in a while like if I need a little serotonin boost like I always watch the like we won at the end because it's just so cool to see like women's hockey growing at that super high level yeah it's an exciting time it's exciting I can't wait to see what you guys end up doing this season I did want to ask too because I'm sure there's a lot of girls listening to this episode that maybe they go to a school that doesn't have a hockey team right now so i want to ask you each like if you're starting today what is your advice to somebody who's embarking on this challenge i'll let you start abby one email club sports or like some student organization's body that you have at your at your organization to get all the info on okay what are your first steps to starting a club the next thing i already know they're going to tell you you need this amount of members to even be a club. Join Facebook groups, follow Instagram pages because they do like posts for different classes or whatever and they can like post something for you. Blast it all over social media um, to find people. I found Facebook really works well. But yeah, those would probably be the first steps. And just keep going, you know? You, you jump through hurdles, things happen, but keep going. Ask your community members for help, people older than you. It, it's worth it in the long run. What about you, Hannah? How, where would you start on day one? I think, you know, Abby covered a good piece about like the logistical side of like reaching out to as many people and creating connections as early as you possibly can, because that is going to get help you in a huge way to just mentally, like as you are buckling down, like to do this process, like it is a difficult thing. Like I'm not going to say that it's easy remembering, like it is very important to remember why like you want to start a team and like your passion for the game and like keeping that in your mind all the time and using, okay, I will eventually be on the ice with this team as motivation. And it, it's okay to adjust your expectations for how things are going to go, but like, don't let go of your dream and your passion. Like it's, so, there's such a difference and like, okay, well, I'm going to just adjust my dream for this. I'll, you know, let go on this. Like it's, it is okay to like adjust expectations. You're going to have to, like, you're going to have to adapt but do not let go of that dream and just think about, I think even as cheesy as it sounds like your like childhood self, like use that as motivation to continue. But again, just keep going. It seems really overwhelming, but rely on people around you, rely on your friends. And then as you, you know, start network networking, creating connections, people want to help you. I think that's been something that like <laughs> has been hard um, for me to like, you know, delegate. And so as early as you can possibly learn to delegate to people is something that is huge and it will help take some of that load off your plate too. Awesome. Girls, thank you so much for joining us. We are so pumped. One of our goals, Abby, you mentioned it, is to promote the women's side of the game more. You know, we're all guys who played club on the men's side. And so our, one of our weaknesses is like, we just aren't as big of experts on the women's side. We're, we're good friends with Kyle now. So we're, we're looking forward to all the coverage that you guys get from College Hockey South this season. And I think there's no better time for the women's game to grow than now. Thank you so much. This was so cool. Thank you so much. We're so excited. Once again, thank you to Abby and Hannah for joining the show. Awesome episode, getting some insights on the behind the scenes of women's hockey and college hockey South and how that is growing rapidly right now. And we wish them the best of luck this season and looking forward to the Columbus Classic. We've got a lot of news to cover. I haven't really talked about that much stuff. We got into the rankings a bit there at the end. So we want to rattle off some talking points after a two-year hiatus serving as the hockey recruiting coordinator for Davenport. Phil Sweeney is back behind the bench once again. 
for the ACHA Division I men's program. Congratulations for Phil. Seven back behind the bench. Love to see that. Sweeney built the Panthers into a national contender during his 10 years, compiling a record of 226, 121, and two with eight seasons of 20 plus victories. Davenport had a down year last year. Again, talking about the rankings, like that's a team who was kind of on the fringe for a little bit. They had a down year last year. So hopefully with Coach Sweeney behind the bench, they get trending in the right direction. Have to talk about NC State. We talked about this at the end of last year, but with the success they had at the outdoor game, how would that carry over into this year? Opening night against ECU and the place is packed out, lying down the street, standing room only, no more seats left. They turned people away at the door opening night. They trounced ECU 17-3. to The NC State boys aren't playing around this year. Disappointing end of their season last year, losing to the Tar Heels, but they're getting right back into it. And I felt bad. I, you know, ECU, I think, only had one or two practices going into this one. It was 4-1 at the end of one, which is competitive, and it just it got out of hand 17-3. to But we shared about the crowd at the weight competition center. Love seeing Bleacher Report pick it up and do their share. So awesome stuff to be growing the game of college hockey, especially down there. And then Iowa State dropped their schedule again. We we weren't really sure what this was going to look like. I know they had to throw it together last minute and get some teams combination of all kinds of scheduling. So good to see them get their schedule out. And we're really excited for their season this year. Huge matchup this weekend with McKendry and Maryville. Want to give stick taps to the squad at McKendry. They're offering three shuttle buses to the game with rides back to campus for those interested in joining in on the fun. This is a big one. I know the crowd at Maryville is going to be rowdy on Saturday. I'm sure they're going to look to do the same at McKendry on Friday night. So looking forward to seeing this one. Take notes. If you want to get fans at your game, offer free shuttle buses. So Want to give a shout out to the boys at, at SMU sweep of Texas. I was actually kind of pulling for Texas this weekend because when they won and they beat Bama, I was on my flight back to Boston and I was going to do like a Texas is back post with like Texas hockey wins and Texas football wins. SMU swept, so I couldn't even do that. So wanted to give those boys a shout out. Florida Southern with the six snakeskin jerseys by Verbero. They say it all the time. Verbero is looking to change the game of hockey and they're doing it with the designs lately. They got the snakeskin home jerseys and then the gradient on the road jerseys. And then, of course, if we're talking jerseys, we got to talk about Adrian College. The Bulldogs on a revenge tour this year, looking to make it back to the national championship game. Adrian-inspired baseball jerseys, Alex Herman may have had the best photos of the week at Herm. I know your photos were great at Embry-Riddle, but your brother killed it with this photo shoot. They did it on the baseball diamond because their new jerseys are inspired by the Adrian College baseball jerseys, little reverse retro action. I mean, these shots were amazing, Herm. He killed it. I'm I am so proud of Alex from beginning to end with this photo shoot. He had a compelling narrative. He has very clearly heard me talk at length about what I want from a photo shoot post. He did it perfectly. Herm, I'm gonna toss it over to your favorite segment, calling your shots. Who who's in the DMs this week? All right, we got a couple of fun DMs. We got James Jackson, who's the photographer, incredibly talented, by the way, at University of North Carolina. UNC is sweeping the weekend. I think the boys had a heartbreaker in Greensboro against High Point, and they are going to come out this weekend fired up and ready to make a point. They are going to Delaware this weekend. They're making the road trip to Delaware, and then they're going to follow that with the home opener against the University of Kentucky. So some exciting weeks of hockey ahead for the Tar Heels. Who's up next? 
We got Bo Solomon, who's a Temple men's one goalie, who said Temple hockey is rolling. Top to bottom rebuild, new locker room, new rink, new unis, new look for the boys on broad. They will put those new unis to the test with an opening weekend series against TCNJ. Good luck to the Temple Owls. Fitzy, it's burger time. Walk us through where who are the blowouts of the week. This is the first time I've ever gotten this privilege. I feel uh feel a little excited. We got men's one. Kent State put up seven, Israel two. I picked Israel when I was I was going through selecting the games. I don't, I don't know. I, I wanted to see it happen. Dropping down to men's two. We talked about it earlier. NC State 17, ECU three. Dropping down again to men's three. Creighton nine, Drake zero. Fun fact, older brother Ryan went to Creighton. Did not know they had an, an ACHA team, so that's uh, news to me. I figured we'd throw you the burgers first week since Creighton was in there. Get you right in the mix. There you go. Plenty of games to watch this weekend. We will get started in Canada. We're going north of the border here. Herm, where is Brock University? Do we know where that is in Canada? It's in Ontario, right? Brock University is in St. Catharines, Ontario. There we go. I, I knew I I knew I had a decent level of Canadian geography, but Ohio University is going to travel up north and take on CIS Brock University in a couple exhibitions. This will be a really good test for the Bobcats early on. One of the teams to watch in ACHA M1 this season, so we'll be tuning into that. Another CIS matchup has University of Regina taking on Minot State, a recruiting trip for Minot, so this will be a pretty cool one. They love those Canadian boys, so I'm sure they're going to get plenty of them during this trip. On Saturday, Weber State is taking on Utah State. Love to see the teams out west getting into it this early on in the year. And then we have the Paul Bunyan Trophy on ice as an M2. University of Michigan taking on Michigan State at Yost Arena on Friday night. Friday night, St. Louis University is going to take on Washington University in St. Louis at Webster Groves Ice Rink. It is the fight for Forest Park. These two schools only separated by five miles, so it should be a good one. And then we have the city game. Duquesne taking on Pitt at the Alpha Ice Complex. I love the Alpha Ice Complex. It, you know, we didn't get the result there when I played at Cuse, but it is a good barn. Duquesne was on upset alert last season. I think they had a lead against Pitt in this game before Pitt pulled away. So this should be a good one to start off the year. And then on sticking in Pennsylvania, we got Penn State taking on IUP. Penn State is an M2 IUP Division One. Looking to start off strong after a really solid year last year. We'll see what the Crimson Hawks can build off of last season. And then down in Lexington, Kentucky, Friday night hockey is back. Boston University makes the trip down to Lexington Ice Center in the home opener for the Ice Cats. Sticking with the Friday night game, San Diego State is taking on Loyola Marymount in an exhibition at the Croc Center. We will get a test to see what improvements San Diego State has made in this offseason. They brought in a lot of recruits this year. It'll be their second year in Division II, facing off against a former ACHA D2 opponent in LMU. And then on Friday night, Missouri State is taking on Illinois State in some men's Division I action. Missouri State had a down year last year, didn't make nationals. Illinois State is on the rise. Two programs kind of heading in opposite directions here. We'll see how they play out on opening night. And then lastly, we have DePaul University taking on Miami University at Johnny's Ice House. Two really solid teams in M2 squaring off on opening night. So those are your games to watch. We got a couple more honorable mention games as per tradition. Liberty university will host NC state's division two team at La Haye. There's been a couple of times where NC state gives Liberty a run for their money early on. And Liberty always seems to pull it out. So we will have our eyes peeled on this one. As always, it'll be on ESPN plus how good is this Liberty team going to be? They've made the final four in two of the last three seasons 
and an NC State team that we talked about earlier showed what they had against ECU. We'll see how it compares against Liberty's top squad. And then in a good AAU matchup, we have D1 Tampa taking on D2 Vanderbilt. We had it earlier in the week. We got a DM. Tampa Vandy week is going to be a barn burner in week one. So Tampa coming off their only loss of the season to end the season last year against a Vanderbilt team that is looking to make some noise this year. Heading out west on Friday night, University of Wyoming is taking on Park University Gilbert. Who is Park University Gilbert, you may ask? Is a school in Arizona. It is their first ACHA game they will take on the Cowboys. Looking forward to this one. We also want to give a shout out to Houston. They hosted their first ACHA games last weekend. They dropped a couple to East Texas Baptist, but want to give a shout out to the Cougars. That is something to be proud of. History in Houston. A couple more Friday night games to watch out for. University of North Carolina, Wilmington, who came off their sweep against High Point last weekend. They're taking on Millersville in a quality ACCHL matchup. And then in AAU D2, we have FAU taking on USF at the Florida Panthers Ice Den. Nice little Florida rivalry. And that brings us to our game of the week. Heading down south, AAU Division One, University of South Carolina taking on the University of Georgia. It is the Cox versus the Dogs. This is a home game for Georgia. Home away from home for the Dogs this year as the Classic Center is being built. The Dogs will play at a couple different rinks around Georgia to start off the year, but they will host South Carolina in game number one. Herm, who are you going with? I got to go with South Carolina, right? Like I've been to the Plex. I've experience that atmosphere for myself i've seen how good these south carolina teams are that's not to say that georgia has not solidified itself as a force in aau just like the cox early fitzy what about you 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 weren't here last week and you didn't get to give your pick in person so i want to give you the opportunity to do that now how you feeling last week you went with embry riddle are you feeling the same way you gonna go with the home team this week i was thinking about going with georgia i like their jerseys i know that's a weird way to pick South Carolina's got sick jerseys too. I'm going cock hockey. Like Herm's saying, it's kind of hard to bet against them. And and yeah, nothing against Georgia, but it's it's tough to, to bet against what you see going on at South Carolina. So sticking with the cocks. I like giving this pick too because I, I feel like one, I'm gonna go with my gut here, who I'm going with first. I'm going with Georgia. I just like the dogs here. It's interesting. In years past, they have to like put together the ice sheet at the classic center. That's a lot of work for them. They're playing on the road this year. They don't have to put their rink together. Probably going to be a smaller crowd, a more condensed crowd. I think it's going to make for an electric home environment. I I like Georgia. I think South Carolina may be a little bit more flashier. They have that swagger. That's why we love them. You you see the clips on social media. They they wear the jerseys and say Cox. And I think I like Coach Campy at Georgia. I like the captain, Robbie Whitwer. Shout out former guests of the show. Just got named captain. I really like the direction they're heading in. I really like the game that they played at Nationals and they gave Tampa a run for the quarterfinal game. So I'm pulling with the dogs. That's who I'm going to go with. And, you know, I'm sure if that pick is wrong, then somebody from the South Carolina Twitter department is going to clip that and throw it on there. But I, I like my pick this week with the dogs. For those of you at home wondering, Collins had to go to practice. It's getting late. Fitzy's got to get out of here for men's league too, but he headed out. He is also going with the Gamecocks. So we got three votes for South Carolina, one vote for Georgia, and we will see those two teams will face off on Friday night in a college hockey South opening. If it's half as good as the game between Embry-Riddle and Florida was last week, we're in for a treat. So looking forward to that one. Question of the week. It was my birthday last week. Thank you so much for all the birthday shout outs. I came home and we did my birthday dessert. And so before I reveal to you guys what I did for my birthday dessert, I want to turn it over to you guys. Fitzy, what is when it's your birthday, 
and you can have whatever you want after dinner. What are you going with? Uh, Oreo ice cream cake from Dairy Queen. Um, yeah, I'm a big Oreo guy. Something about those ice cream cakes. I don't, I don't know. They, they're, they're pretty good. So yeah, that's, that's, that's usually what I go with. That's a, that's a really good pick. And, and usually what I go, I, I like the classic Dairy Queen ice cream cake last year for my birthday, being in upstate New York in Syracuse, there's a Carvel and I got a fudgy, the whale cake, kind of like a Dairy Queen cake on steroids, but in the shape of a whale. So I had that for my birthday. Also very good, huge ice cream cake guy. Herm, I'm curious, what are you going with for your birthday? There's a restaurant near me that everyone in the office knows that I love to go to. It's called City Cafe. It's a 100% gluten-free place. It, it's not just standard restaurant food. They also have a bakery in there. That's what they started out as. But one, of, one of the signature desserts that they serve are half moons. For those from downstate, those are black and white cookies. I used to have those when I would go to the deli with my grandfather as a, as a post-lunch sort of treat. I was skeptical to see if they would match the quality. They absolutely did, and then some. I will be getting those very soon. Black and white cookies are awesome. I, I loved as a kid, I would eat the chocolate side first and then the vanilla side. Now I'm just a psycho and go right down the middle and try to get both at the same time. Another great birthday dessert, living with Matt Zarb, my former teammate last year, his mom had Wegmans deliver cannoli chips to the house. It was the cannoli chips. They were shaped like tortilla chips and you just dip them in the cream with the chocolate chips. That was a very good one. For my birthday dessert this year though, I went, kept it simple, ice cream sundaes, little chocolate ice cream, whipped cream, Reese's Pieces and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, little peanut butter sundae action. So that's what I went with. Thank you for bearing with me this week. I'm like playing through a stuffed nose. I shouldn't have blown my nose before the show. I feel like maybe that just made it worse, but Fitzy and I were joking about that beforehand, but played a lot of minutes in men's league last night. Uh, We only had six guys. My D partner and I played all 36 minutes in a 5-4 victory. was a very good start to opening night in Conway at the Ham Arena. Fitzy, who you got on tap tonight? I think we're playing like the Pickle Ricks or something like that. <laughs> it, it's a uh, first game of the fall, so I'm, I'm getting to play a few more weeks here with my oldest brother, Brendan, uh, Acha grad from Michigan. Yeah, I'm excited. Anytime I get to play with him, it's fun. So it, it should it should be a good time. We're supposed to have 13 skaters, though, Murph. So I, I'm going to get a little more rest than you got. Yeah, you won't get as much ice time. So I'll, I'll still be the league leader in that category. But it's funny in the locker room, like a lot of these guys, like I've been around my whole life and they were like, you know, Mackenzie, like, what are you doing home? So like, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have to explain these people that I have a podcast and like, that's what I'm like trying to do full time right now. And they're like, we got to talk about our men's league team on the podcast. Right. And then somebody was like, only if we win. So I have to give us a shout out. Team Merlino Steakhouse. Uh, we got some sweet Selly hockey jerseys, so I got to give them a shout out too. But we got off to a really good start. We we got scored on six seconds into the season, which was not a great start. Got it in the wind column. So that's that's your men's league roundup for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Great episode. Hopefully some pretty insightful stuff. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into the Daytona show. We're going to have a lot more content coming your way. In regards to the Northern Colorado situation, we'd love to talk shop. If you have a you know something to pick with that whole situation, we'd love to hear it because I think it helps in that situation having an outsider's perspective it's a tall task for us to get on here and talk about it as well so we appreciate you listening to that and always we're looking forward to the games this weekend be sure to tag us in any of your clips your photos send them our way we would love to see them at hockey house pod instagram twitter tiktok follow along thanks for listening see you boys